0: Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 96 of Justified Pursuit. It is great to be here with you, and it is good to see my old friend, the good counselor, Chisholm Cooks. Well, it's not really a smile. It's more of just a... I don't know. You don't look very happy. Is it? I think it's a technical issue uh, that's got you <laughs> flustered. <laughs>
1: i'm actually having the best day uh of my week certainly that's because you're since talking to me again so finishing my triathlon no it's got absolutely zero to do with talking to you i assure you <laughs> some um, um personal matters that, that, that hurts a little bit i'm offended yeah, well, by that when when you and i discuss the week that was offline you'll have a better understanding turn your mic uh, up just a little you are well it's good to see you regardless technical issues i was a little frustrated with technical issues to start again but uh, i'm over that yeah today is a good day is that better yeah i don't know yeah yeah okay
0: it is a good day i am back from wyoming and i uh i came home a day early because my feet were just torched again as you well know from our 2018 elk hunt uh When the blisters, blisters have blisters, and they just keep going deeper and deeper into your heels. We did 12 miles the last day. Got into one elk, got him into 35 yards, and probably played the game with seven or eight others. But just, dude, this place, a lot thicker than where we've hunted together, uh, bow-hunted elk before. And finding a window to get an arrow and an elk, just, damn. I had so many encounters inside 40 yards and never even let an
1: arrow fly so it's crazy. what what elevation were you guys at range
0: uh between like i think we were camped at 9800 and then these these peaks though not like giant mountains like new mexico like where we camp in new mexico is what eleven thousand and change something like that
1: yeah i think like 10 4 but it's like 11 to climb over that saddle yeah yeah so i think the highest we would get was like 10 4 So, so it's kind of like our Montana hunt, as far as like not a big range, but a higher starting point. Yeah. 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 Because those were, I think we were doing like eight to 9,500. So we didn't have tons of climbing. Yeah. uh, The the main difference starting at a higher point is that
0: we weren't packed in seven miles. And so we ran into other hunters. These elk had clearly been pressured by the end of the hunt. If you even called at them, they'd respond to a bugle and then. Maybe one more bugle, and then you'd close the distance. Bugle again, and they'd be 500 yards away. You know, it was late
1: into the rut too, though. You know, so you, yeah. you not only had the hunting pressure, but you had bulls that were getting tired and run down, and you know, you yeah. know, there's a lot of pressure on them by the end of September. I guess is the point, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. But you know, David, the best hunter we know, he shot one in the chest at 10 yards. Does it every so. time?
1: So he bugled that one in. I just assumed yeah. when he texted, you texted me, you couldn't
0: it. call. You cannot. You could not cow call. If you huh. cow called, bye bye. It's over. And that's his bread and butter. Like David's a really good cow caller. That's so he what was I just he was getting. He was like, That's of- how I've he's he said that's the first one he's ever bugled in and killed. Like, but he's just like we just had to put our cow calls away because it wasn't working. It's more fun. Bugled how many guy. bugles but, but did the he one hear that we that- killed together in 2018? They didn't want they didn't get fired up. They didn't want to come and fight you. You couldn't, you know how you could just like See the their breath coming out and the just drooling, just so angry and full of testosterone. These elk did not do that,
1: they were wary. Man, and I'm, I'm trying to tell you, that was this was three weeks further into the rut than that day. You know, I'm, I'm
0: well aware, it's I know how difference. I know the, the cycle,
1: yeah. but still, there's a lot of
0: cows. And no, I'm looking at videos of other places where elk are still doing the deal, regardless of it being at the end of September. And I don't know.
1: I just think they, they act different there.
0: Just so many hunters, and yeah, it is what it is.
1: Well, sounds like it was a smashing success anyway.
0: It was. It was. What do you think Lost this blister
1: weight. issue is? You, you, you didn't get any blisters in Montana, did you? No. No, nope. and these so. were the same shoes, but it rained for
0: two straight days when we got there, and so then mm. I had put on wet Soap.
1: shoes. Did you get a pair of those? Did you, have you gotten any new gators? I, I got those outdoor research gators that that stubblefield had i haven't put them to use yet but yeah i'm a, gonna have a pair p- of Track gators for anyone
0: that doesn't know what a, a gators are since we were talking more about hunting than our normal stuff uh and that's going to
1: be the case today so y'all just like they, enjoy enjoy they the ride. come we're up right to your
0: knee and you just put them on over your boots <laughs> and they keep all the wet off of your lower leg in the top of your boots which david forgot his so he was extremely wet for the first couple days
1: did he end up with blisters no,
0: but he had two pairs of
1: boots. Hmm. So
0: he had one that was barely waterproof, like a pair of Solomons. Then he had some Scarpas that he wore for the two
1: days that it rained. But
0: I don't know, man. I don't So Joe,
1: be- I saw that nice tent. I guess y'all camped at the trailhead.
0: Yeah. So the first day we put, uh, nice. we put, well, not at the trailhead. I mean, we drive around and I guess it's more like David's Colorado hunting stuff that he does. Uh, but you just drive around and you find a camp or you make a camp on the road or whatever and uh so we we got as far back in as we could to try to get away from other people and we we put three days worth of food in our spike camp tents on our backs and went in and then we got into elk within half a mile literally on the cool. first day so Damn. we were like oh it's gonna rain so then we set up that we were like screw this we're not we're not spike camping because we already found elk here and dude yeah. we were bugling there that 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 day was the most bugling we heard and then all of a sudden these idiots from kansas forgot that oh you actually can't be downwind or i'm sorry upwind from the elk when you approach them and they blew everything out of there for like three days so we had to start walking more but uh we were like well we're not gonna spike camp in with this weather coming so david had that luxurious wall tent which was our home for nine days and that was that was very nice to have a table and be able to set up your stove and not, I'd not just be, be sitting on ground. the ground time no you
1: know? so i uh as soon as you said it I, I just started hearing like multiple bugles in the timber in my head and uh it's the sickest i've been about missing it again in three years that's uh i'm not gonna do this again next year
0: <laughs> yeah well, yes. you you were missed, and you your back yes, was certainly uh, missed when David killed the elk because that was a <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, a how far was bitch. the hike?
1: You said two and a half or something.
0: Well, so we split. We hunted together the first two and a half days, then we split up for the next two days. And he kind of was beating the same area, eh, just going in different ridges. But where those Kansas guys were was real close to where we were camped, and they wanted to go in there every day. They, I don't know where they were actually camped, but they drive their truck up to that, basically to the logging trail and then come in behind us or come in from the side and you could hear their, bu- you knew their bugle. It was yeah. really high pitched and very constant. Same every time. Yeah. Never stopped. Uh, so I, I did a little more exploring, got a little farther away and I, I ran into, the, the first day we were separate, I called in three bulls and David didn't even hear a bugle. So I was like, well, you no, know, come come back and over here in a day and explore this area with me again. And we got into this the same bull that I called in and couldn't get a shot at. Uh we messed with him and very smart. We actually tried to hunt that bull three different times. And after the first time where I actually saw him, he never he was like, Nope, I know that. That's a call. See you later. Um so we split up after lunch, and then forty five minutes later, he's like he didn't kill that bull, but he killed one that we heard bugle on the same ridge. Um, so it ended up being three miles from the wall tent, but you had to go up for a half a mile, then back down. Then the first load we carried out that night was straight back uphill for a mile and then downhill. But we were like, so that was two and a half miles. We're like, let's just make it a three, three and a half mile trip and just go up circumvent a little bit (laughs) gradually on the logging road instead of killing ourselves over deadfall. But we weighed our packs that first night and mine was 104 pounds and I was carrying my bow and David's was 107 pounds. Yeah. So here's what I have to say about that. All these Instagram heroes that say that them and a buddy packed out a full elk on one trip are liars. You are a liar. You did not do that unless you wasted the back straps and all of the neck meat and took no scraps. There is no way in hell. You're carrying 175 pounds on your back. Sorry, you're lying. You are lying. Not I, think there, anyway, not I think anyway. Not three there,
1: miles. No. I think there are a handful of uh what what uh Marcellus Wallace would call hard pipe hitting something fires. or other okay yeah you yeah.
0: could do it downhill for a mile i could do that but you are not going up i'm sorry you're not going up the majority of
1: them are definitely uh, you know exaggerating the, the weight can, of their pack for sure plus
0: okay and if you're hunting with camp on
1: your back like you have, to have a pretty I mean, big pack first of all i mean you pretty much have to you have to have a minimum of a five-day pack if not like a 10-day excursion pack to pack to put that much meat in it yeah, i'm telling you we tried it so we put a meat shelf we we deboned the hindquarters
0: we each took one of those, and then we put a backstrap, neck meat, and scraps in each of our packs. And we made it about 200 yards. And I was like, dude, this, is, this isn't going to happen. I was like, I'm going to die. So we took the neck meat and backstraps, and hung, we hung them up in a tree. They were in separate bags. And that eliminated, like, probably 30 pounds, I would say, from each of our packs. Made it doable to get it closer to 100 pounds. And that didn't even include the the front shoulders
1: or the head. Well, keep in mind, not all men are built like you and I, right? There are some men that are six foot four, 230 pounds, right? That's a different human being with a different capacity. But yeah, sub six foot guys Mm -hmm. around the ones that I look at and say that they did it. You wasted a lot of meat. If you're claiming that BS,
0: it was backbreaking. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So, David had said I could have half of half the elk since I packed it out, but I just took enough backstrap to make a meal for the family for one. He earned it, and it was my pleasure to hump that thing out of there.
1: You get a lot of meat, so I could see uh, that's that's, that's admirable of you. But if it had been me and him, I would have split with him, (laughs) like you and I did last time, for sure. Uh,
0: You remember when that Pine Martin got in? That bull that we, uh, that Ty killed on our Montana trip in 2019. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Two holes in our backstrap. It did. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah. But luckily pine Martins don't eat a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I saw, oh, so, 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 um, some cool things that I did see for the first time, you know, I've got a pine Martin in the studio that I trapped in uh, British Columbia, but I never saw one alive. So I right. saw an alive pine Martin chase a chipmunk up a tree, try to kill it. Didn't catch it. That was cool. Saw a moose literally the first day. Cool. Uh, golden eagles. Those are the main things I saw that were pretty cool. Uh, but I'd never seen a moose other than the one that I shot. That was the only moose I ever saw.
1: I can't remember. Y'all drew this tag, right? I don't remember what Yeah, Wyoming's. so it took five years of points. Oh, okay. So y'all been building points. I didn't. Okay. So yep. do you have Wyoming points built up? Dude, I think so. Because we're going to use yours years. to draw again.
0: So y'all both didn't have points? No, we did. We each had five. And it took, we did both have five. Yeah, and it took four was the average you needed to like guarantee that you'd draw. So okay. if you've got like five, then we start applying again for a couple of years, then we can
1: all go. I'm pretty sure I've been getting a Wyoming points. I can't remember if I did this year, but I should have like three or four probably. Yeah. But I don't know how many miles we
0: did in eight and a half days of hunting. I know the last day the GPS said 12 and I woke up at two in the morning. And my feet were just hurting so bad. And I, the alarm clock went off at five a.m. every day. And when it went off, I said, "Dave, we are done. We are gonna go home early, one day early, because I am I can't physically walk in my
1: boots anymore." Yeah, that sucks. So the yeah. deadline for a Wyoming preference point looks like it's coming up on November first. Does that sound right to you? I don't know. I need to. I'll look at it later. Look at that. Yeah um but, oh
0: wyoming's beautiful dude that's not a lot of people there really really like that state a lot
1: what was the closest town well uh like walden colorado because we were on the border there right or like, were you so really right across of, from that 3 Forks place or just like in the like
0: it was in the vicinity but we call so the last day that we hunted we literally ran into what well, we called them in like i said lots of hunters we called in a pair of dudes that one of them had a Wyoming tag and the other one had a Colorado tag and they were just hunting the border. Whichever side the bugle was on, that's who, which way they would go. Right. Yeah. And we did not think we would find... It. We knew if we ran into someone, they would have had to come in from the Colorado side because like I said, we were walking a long way to get away from other hunters. Sure enough, there was the Colorado dudes. <clears throat> What else cool happened? Mm. No, I would say that's probably about it. Ten days, nine days of hunting—that's all you get. I—I mean, <laughs> it was the same story every day: calling elk into bow range and not have a clear shot. Or I realized the wind shift. And, oh, that was the other thing—the wind was way more squirrely than. Yeah, there was that one bull we called in in Montana, and the wind shifted on us. Remember that? And we never saw him, but he was close. On that day that we hunted without tie. Yeah, you remember that? That 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 was like the norm. Like, the, you'd make a play, wind would shift, you'd have to back out and start over from a different direction. Uh, one time, I was about to come to full draw, and the wind just shifted, and I'm looking at the selk at 40 yards. Bye bye. Just
1: it was frustrating. Couldn't I just, you couldn't rely on it being consistent? I realized in talking to you about the nonstop bugling that uh, I never sent you that. I told you I found you one of those old school Primos uh tubes that you killed your first bull with, right? The green one? Yeah, the one that's got like the yeah. little flappy reed built into uh, it. Yeah. And it's all just yeah. So I, I need to send you that. Yeah. I've been well, sitting on it for like a year and a half. <laughs> I
0: used the bugle tube and man, David's sounds way better than mine, but I bugled in more bulls than he did. And maybe they maybe they were like, oh, that's, uh, that that terrible sounds like something we haven't heard before let's go i think
1: it's hard to gauge your own sound personally like i think when you're blowing it you hear one thing and then you hear somebody else and you're like well that sounds better because that's how you're supposed to listen to it right like it's not you're not at first of all you're not at the right end of the tube Mm -hmm. and then you've got the sound that's coming from your own head so there's like an echo in your own head that just i don't i don't think it works the same Well,
0: it definitely sounded different because there were multiple times where david would bugle like try yours and i'd try mine and like, within 200 yards, we'd get a bugle back.
1: So, nice. Yeah. So, you got one on David. He ended up killing the bull, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but who who didn't expect that to
0: happen? <laughs> Nobody. That was but it's no, he, he texted me at 1 o'clock on the Garmin, and, and the text was, because uh, we had no service there, so we have these in-reach things that um you can still send texts on your GPS. Oh. And we split up, and, like, 45 minutes later, all I see is, I'm cutting him up now that was the text <laughs> but but he had tried to send four previously they like elk down pull down you know yeah and i didn't get him and so all i got was i'm cutting him up now so i was like all right of course i could see where his location was i was like that's a half a mile away and it's all uphill i was like before i start walking over there i was like can you please confirm that you mean you've killed an elk <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm coming, yep. but I don't. You know, I was actually had a bull bugling that I that I ended up leaving. Not that he was going to come any closer anyway, because he started getting further away every time I bugle. But yeah, um, see what else
1: if there was anything else that was cool. How many bugles did David hear that you didn't?
0: Oh, because of my hearing, All right? Um, there were a few, but not not as many as you would think. Maybe he's half-deaf, too. <laughs> maybe. Maybe so. Um, yeah. The, the only crappy thing was is that we took the, the um, elk into uh, a town around there to freeze it for a few days so I could keep hunting. And we forgot to get the backstrap and the heart out so we didn't actually even eat any of the elk on the mountain. Oh, man. So that was a downer. But I did shoot two grouse and... So, my bow was shooting beautifully because smoked both of those grouse and then made ramen and grouse. Oh, so good. Heart, yeah. liver, all the
1: tasty bits. Man, best mm. thing we ate on the mountain for sure. Give you a little boost of confidence in your, your gear while you're out there too, I guess. Because mm-hmm. you were certainly, as per usual, working on that right up until the day you left.
0: I think this was probably the year that I was the most confident That's that good. my gear was
1: in sync and it was the first year you didn't let an arrow fly
0: yeah, isn't that weird every time i've gone elk hunting which i think this is my ninth eighth or ninth elk hunt i've flung an
1: arrow and
0: not not this time
1: you know that less uh steep topography has got to have something to do with the way that wind swirls so 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 badly you know what I mean? oh, yeah, like I think so yeah because we had the same thing in montana you know yeah. we've had that in new mexico too even though that's pretty steep because we've gone so early there that the temperatures all over the place, right? It, when it's nice and cold, then it's ripping downhill, mm-hmm. you know. But when it's when it's you know forty five already at daylight and just kind of getting warmer from there, then we're battling that. In fact, I, the bull you shot our first year in twenty fifteen. What was the ter- What were the thermals doing that morning? Can you remember? Was it chilly? I feel like I mean, most I sh- mornings were I, pretty chilly. I came in from
0: though. the side. And it was getting warmer. Right. So, but I don't remember if they were going up or downhill, but it was like 11 a.m. So I would assume they would already shifted and were, we're going up, but I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Well, I know it's, two of the three bulls that we've killed together there. We had a nice strong down, downhill thermal that was very consistent. Yeah. You know, the one that I killed that year. Uh, and then certainly the one I called in that you killed it was Mm -hmm. like a frost frost on the ground morning where it was no doubt how to make your move, you know? Yeah. Helps. I did. I was at full draw for a minute. One time waiting for this bull to
0: come. He was pushing these two cows and he was, that was the most fired up that I had a bull. And it was funny because I was walking back to camp completely defeated. I had (laughs) one encounter where I tried to close the distance too much on a bull and blew him out of there. I was pissed, and like, def- like I'd probably walked ten miles that day, and you know how it is—over deadfall, and uphill, and downhill, and back uphill, and more deadfall. And there's no trails. Oh, that's the other thing. There's a few logging roads in there. there ain't no trails though. Like where we hunt in New Mexico, you're just bushwhacking hmm. everywhere. Uh, so I was like, well, I guess I owe this ridge one last bugle before I just beeline it back to camp, and a bugle and. You know, this guy fires off. I almost was like, do I even want to mess with it? I was so beaten down because he was below me 500 yards. I'm like, nah, if I don't, either way, I'm going to have to walk back up this damn hill. I was like, "Buddy bugled. So that's what I'm here to do. So it's go time. Get into it with this guy. And the cool thing was, is that I didn't know it, but David was just listening to the whole thing from like three or 400 yards away. And he was, he'd already gotten back to the ridge because we were hunting separate that day. He was like, dude, just, he, he sent me a message. He, He's like, kill that MF-er. And I was so close. I was at full draw. I could have shot one of the cows. I mean, like, yeah. just, oh, she was such a voluptuous
1: looking beast. <laughs> they look pretty meaty when they're all nice and healthy, man. going to shoot a
0: cow when a bull is literally five yeah. yards behind her, and I just need him to take two or three more steps? And I'm at full draw waiting for him to come into the open. And that wind, you know, I was playing it perfectly, but as soon as the cows got just past me and they're uphill of me. You know, I was going at him from the side and he's pushing him, pushing him. Anyway, they had me pinned down as soon as they got wind of me. That bull never, he never stepped out and open. I mean, I could, I saw him coming, you know, nice six by six, but there wasn't any shot, you know, that was a thing. There just wasn't ever a clean ethical shot. Could have shot him in the ass or shot him in the front shoulder. You know, it was just like, but there's, it's not like with a rifle.
1: Um, just never had that clean shot. Even I, who am not above killing a cow, would probably have to have passed with a oh, bull pushing them like that. Yeah. I just literally,
0: literally like two steps behind them. And I
1: could, they're both the cows were right there. And I'm just at full draw
0: forever, longest I've ever been at full draw. And uh, yeah, looking back on it, I was like, man, a cow would be delicious. But I would do the same thing again if a bull was right behind them. Yep. would have been a nice, easy pack out, though. It was only like 0. 0.6 miles from camp. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So that's my story, Chisholm. It was, uh, but I'll tell you this. So the last two years, I've shot bulls in New Mexico and wounded them, which is part of the game when you're playing Cowboys and Indians. Um, I feel a lot better leaving this time, having I mean, had so much success on my own calling in five, six, seven different pulls within archery range, having those close encounters, but not firing an arrow, uh, there's a lot more regret I would say associated with oh, not yeah. making the perfect shot. So if, like, I'd much rather come home
1: completely empty handed than have left something. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I felt, I felt, and I also felt like I hunted, yeah, we've hunted hard in new mexico we hunted just as hard this trip
1: but the i'm also nine
0: straight days it sounds like y'all hunted back. i'm also three years older yeah and you know there's a difference between 38 and 41 at least i feel it and so pushing myself uh the, well the, i think the difference was is that i got the blisters on our trip on the way in this time they bugged me for probably seven days but they weren't as hellacious until the last day. Yeah. Um, But I don't, I can't say that I didn't give it a hundred percent. So I don't, I don't have any regrets, I guess. It's always great to, to fulfill your tag, but sometimes you just do everything you can and it doesn't work out. That's the way hunting goes.
1: You know, when you take pre-workout and your body starts to buzz and tingle, Mm -hmm. I'm getting that feeling from thinking about being in the elk woods. And I'm yeah. really kicking myself in the ass. <sighs> I don't think the hunt I'm going to go on at the end of the month is going to be quite the same. Well, they won't be bugling. I know. but That's what I'm saying. I also got a disheartening report from our outfitter about how dry and dusty and dead mm. the end of summer was in the uh, Bob Marshall and <laughs> The first part of archery season has been uh, to date in 22. So didn't leave you with real good, (laughs) real good uh, optimistic vibes. Huh? Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. At least I'll get to be in the mountains. I ran into
0: a couple. So when I was trying to get away from everyone else and walking my ass off, I ran into this couple on bicycles on a logging road, and they looked at me like I had two heads. Like, how did you get in here? And I was like, oh, I walked from so and so. They're like, you to what? I was like, yeah, I walked from that's where we're camped. So they're like, we don't ever see any other hunters in here, and, be, and because you can't use motorized vehicles, no ATVs, no trucks. They're like, we found, and they're in their 60s. They're old. They're crossbow hunters. They're like, we we never see anyone back here. It's just us and our bicycles because no one else can get back here. Like, so kudos to you for. I like, we just I like how many dude, miles did y'all go from the truck? I mean, as the crow flies, it was probably three miles, but like walking five, you know, right
1: with no trails, yeah, right. So, yeah, that's about the range where you get away from 99%, <sighs> yeah. Um, so they, they were they on said, bike they- on bicycles, but they were hunting, yeah, on bicycles.
0: Yeah. Um, but they said they. So, before those two days of like torrential downpour that we had in the front end of the trip, they said it was so dry there that you couldn't stock anything. Every step you took, something cracked beneath your feet, hmm. dusty, dry. So, um, and, and when the first two days David and I were like looking for little streams to fill up our water, we were like, God, we're going to have to like literally get into a seep where it's just probably full of elk, elk stuff, droppings. Yeah. yeah. And then, after those two days of rain, it was you could hear water flowing all over the mountain for the rest of the trip,
1: so it That's only takes cool. a little bit. Oh, uh, you should see the ranch right now, dude. It went from you know however many year drought we've been in, where just there was no grass anywhere to the grass is like legit, it's all seeding out right now, and it's all like hip high or higher, everywhere, mm. everywhere, flowers blooming that's so weird considering it's incredible
0: climate change how did that even happen
1: well it rained after it didn't rain for a long time so that means it's climate change
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh so yeah so david and i don't see eye to eye on politics that was another thing so oh yeah yeah no 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 i'm laying into him pretty good on the way there and he goes maybe i didn't tell you my two rules of elk hunting no (laughs) politics and no butt stuff And I was like, well, I think we can all agree on number two. Yeah. Uh, but you so might speak pick some politics, but hmm.
1: yeah. well, still love him. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting. Not terribly surprising. He does live in Austin. Yeah. It's an echo chamber and whatnot. But he did go to AM. So hmm. Yep.
0: Well, he he suffers from Trump dysphoria for
1: sure. Yeah, I would love to hear more about that, but we don't need to uh, speculate or speak out of school on a buddy's overall beliefs of things. Um, Yeah. Lots of people can't stand Trump. I was among them. Still don't think he's a ideal by any stretch of the imagination but um you know but he's better want-
0: than what we have now
1: well and the reality is like what is ideal humans are humans man we're believers we're all horribly flawed all of us so find me a politician who's perfect and i'll find you a politician who's lying their ass off and who's basically psychotic psych, psychopathic about their lying that politician
0: there. probably packed out an elk on his own
1: nobody in one trip yeah right yeah yep probably some guys in the elk woods who should be leading this country but they're not interested it's true that is true so anyway now what
0: well now i and i this is so wonderful my tag is still good through it through the end of october rifle season opens on the 15th my wife didn't just shoot it down immediately of me flying back up there and hunting for like four more days with the rifle so sweet yeah just solo mission we'll see we'll see
1: nice
2: she didn't say no
0: yeah he said, well, I guess you could go on this day and come back on this day, but you have to be home for Halloween to take the kids trick-or-treating. it would be like, be, well, I'll I could hunt for, for four Halloween. days with the rifle. Well, the, the other rifle thing season? that we were going to do was go, if we didn't find elk, we were going to go west, like to north, uh, west Wyoming, where there's lots of grizzly bears. And But the rifle season opened on the 26th, so we would have had four days to hunt there. Hmm. But we both agreed, like, you don't leave out to find out. So, of course. We stuck it out. Of course not. Mm. So anyway, what was going on with you? What was going on in the world because I was pretty detached from everything, and it was glorious.
1: Yeah, I guess your detachment meant I was somewhat detached as well to be fair. Um and I was focused on my try, but Let's see. Uh, Vladimir Putin has uh, gone into full conscription recruitment mode and is—I um, uh, don't know—something like recruiting/slash forcing uh, fighting-age men uh, to join the ranks to uh, rebuild and, and continue his uh, war in Ukraine. Um, I heard somebody. Oh, remember we've talked about Dave Smith, right? The mm-hmm. late, the latest episode of Rogan you should give a listen to is Dave Smith like going, like, absolute f- fire on the military industrial complex and you know the, the Gulf of Tongan. Did I lose you. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. But all of a sudden, I went from looking at your uh, moving face to a still shot of you in the mountains. There we go. Yeah, you're back. Weird. Um. Anyway, he he pointed out in that episode like so we're supposed to believe simultaneously that Vladimir Putin is losing um yet this is the worst thing that ever that's ever happened and we need to be willing to go to the brink of nuclear war to stop him. Um he's a madman who's capable of anything, yet there's no way he's going to fire off nukes. Like there, there's this there's this just chaos narrative, surprise surprise in the u.s over this ukraine stuff that is like bipolar in its approach to you know simultaneously telling us you don't have to worry about the world ending but we definitely need to be arming ukraine and be prepared to send in troops even though they're not part of nato and we promised the russians that they never would be Uh, i did
0: stick a needle you know try to needle david a couple times whenever we'd be driving around and i'd see like a ukraine flag and i'd be like hey you change your, your Facebook profile pic to show your support, put your Ukraine flag up. What is his take on that? Did he just refuse to He, just laughed. You? he just laughed. Yeah. I've seen a he's few not, of those. He's not so far on the spectrum, like on the other side. We'll just leave it at that. He's, he's very grounded. Okay. Um, but right. I just think he hates our former
1: commander in chief. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's, in, he's uh, lovingly embraced socialism, you're saying. No, cool. He has not done that. That's good. That's a that's a, a relief for sure. But
0: yeah, everyone changed your avatars to the Ukraine. Still, really helping them.
1: Yeah. Let's see what else happened? Uh, oh, I um, saw that
0: Putin blew up some nuke, some natural gas pipelines. Yeah. Well, you saw 26? a
1: story that that's what he did. But why would that make sense? Since that's how they make money. I don't know. Yeah. So who so, blew them up? Uh, they say we did. Because huh. hmm. you know, our administration has already already pointed out that uh, that shutting down the Nord Stream pipeline yeah, those would, one and two would mean that we get to you know transport our liquefied natural gas over to Europe to supply and supplement what they're going to lose from Russia. Hmm. Yeah, if you think this is all about freeing, quote unquote, Ukraine, you're asleep. I'm going to say it like Joe Biden would say it. You're a (laughs) sleepyhead. I don't know who blew it up. Doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense that Russia blew up their own pipeline. Right. Just doesn't sound like it makes any sense. I saw a great meme on Tim Kennedy's uh, Instagram earlier. And it was I don't know if I guess it's a real picture of her diving, but um Greta Thunberg, I, no, guess, I saw that. That, that yeah posted a picture of her diving at some point in the world, yeah, so somebody photoshopped like her face peeking into the screen up close, and then behind it is a pipeline with like a little cartoon looking bomb ticking on. It.
0: yeah, that's hilarious, that was funny.
1: Uh, Okay, so yeah, blew up the pipeline, Um, Russia's ramping up the military, Um, the economy, well, the stock market uh, continued to plummet um, while you were, you know, that's what you get for leaving your post, you're ruining Mm -hmm. everybody's 401ks, Um, and unfortunately, the actual economy seems to be uh, hot on its heels, uh, plummeting downhill.
0: Who could have um, predicted that got, was going to happen?
1: Yeah, we've got quarterly earnings coming up here. Is it like next week?
0: MSNBC, maybe? CNN,
1: still saying we're not in a recession. Uh, they're all saying that now. It's the Fed's fault. We're gonna be in a recession. That's the really interesting headline now. Is huh. but will but we, but we, they're saying in a
0: recession for like three quarters? <laughs>
1: for like three months, for sure. They're saying, will the Feds? Actually, no, it's been three quarters. Inflation.
0: The definition of a recession as Bill Clinton defined it in that famous Two consecutive
1: two consecutive quarters of GDP contraction. Which, which we've was, had,
0: and now we're working on the third.
1: Which is why it was what which is why Biden yeah, lying I, when I he hear said, what you're saying. We're not saying. in you're a right. recession. Yes, we're we are. The, this is what wrapping, a recession is. We're wrapping up the third. I don't know if I don't know if the old rule said that is the point at which you it is a recession or that those I, I think you're right. I guess I'll say. We're, if we're, you had two consecutive quarters of GDP contraction, that means you're in a recession. Yeah. So, so, right.
0: We're wrapping so up number, three. whatever
1: start point you want to call it. We're, uh, we're heading for a third and it's only going to get uglier. And the uh, Fed is aggressively, uh, making it clear they're going to go balls to the wall on the inflation issue, which is just going to further cripple the economy. People are starting, major companies are starting to actually conduct layoffs or forecast that they're going to be laying people off um man we're in for yeah we're in for uh the first big one of our you know adult lives where it's really going to impact us right in 2008 i think none of nobody if you're a you and i's age or younger really was in a position yet to truly feel oh i did i ended up losing my job like my first
0: job, like my when I moved to Texarkana, and all of our truck dealerships, I mean small town Texarkana, half of our our uh, ad revenue was from trucking, you know, car dealerships. Sure. In the okay. Area.
1: My, my, my 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 I guess my perspective. Is I got first, cause... I got a pay
0: cut, and I was only making like twenty eight thousand dollars a year, and he's <sighs> and and I was working eighty hours a week. And he's like. Yeah, I'm gonna have to let you go. And I was like, "We signed a. My wife and I signed a year lease here. So what? What else, can we work something else out?" And he was like, "I'll pay you twenty-one, eight to work eighty hours a week." Yeah,
1: my so perspective and recollection of that. it is skewed because I got out of law school in May of two thousand seven, and so I just had a year under my belt. And I got hired on at the TCQ one month before that August complete collapse so i had a nice safe state job while Mm -hmm. i watched uh the world burn around me but i didn't have a 401k or anything invested right so i didn't didn't get to watch it plummet like i'm doing right now with my 401k which uh despite every two weeks i keep putting money into it and yet there's less money every two weeks than there was the week two weeks prior i just
0: stopped watching putting
1: money in it i stopped i watched stopped watching it six months ago
0: when it (sighs) rebounds i'll deal with it then yeah, <sighs> so it's
1: gonna do is upset me. Yeah, well, uh, you know, bigger picture, like everybody needs to really be prepared that you know they, these psychopaths have uh, they've they've effed us pretty good and kind of broke it off. I saw so, there's a lot of blowback on the loan forgiveness deal right now. Yeah, well, the Republicans are actually. I was waiting for this. I, I'm surprised. I can't believe I didn't say it. But, you know, Nancy Pelosi said, I think in January of this year, that's not legal. The White House can't do that. Right. And then they did it anyway. So there's a real question of whether that's even legal or not. The Republicans finally pulled the trigger and went after a blockage in court like this week. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, that, you know, remains to see how it shakes out. God willing. So I talked to a banker the other day. Let me let this dog out before she well, So I I heard that it's going to cost on, wait, taxpayers wait, wait. 400 billion dollars.
0: 400 billion. That's a lot of money. It's an it's an astronomical figure. So we're in a recession and they're going to pass this bill that like I was saying is going to cost taxpayers 400 billion
1: dollars. That's the estimate we're still talking about the loans right mm-hmm. yeah it's not even a bill right it's an executive action yeah
0: exactly somehow
1: the president the just spent 400 billion dollars of, um, of no
0: he didn't spend he didn't spend anything we're spending it there to pay for your degree in women's studies
1: so i was talking to this 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 banker this week um and you know the banking industry is all hot and bothered by the feds aggressive attack on inflation vis-a-vis increasing interest rates right well the reality is anybody who understands these things knows that if we're not going to stop inflation until we've jacked the interest rates up that's the way to combat it right and he was point but he was pointing out he's like but they haven't even you know it takes a quarter to see the ripple effects of the moves they've already made right so they've made like month after month after month they've been making these three-quarter point increases right and he's like you know, they're no longer relying on data. They're just, they're going by emotion, which is what drives the stock market too, right? And, you know, man, they need to slow down and see what the outcome is. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Isn't it made worse by the fact that between the 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 loan forgiveness and the quote inflation reduction act that actually spent $700 billion. So now we've added another one plus trillion mm-hmm. to the deficit. Like, you know, about the time from the first interest hikes that you're saying I would we would have started to see a potential improvement in inflation. Doesn't that just kick that can further down the road? And he's like, Yeah, it absolutely did. it absolutely does all that. So um the good thing is, man, you remember how we were talking, I don't maybe it was the last episode or the episode prior about the lies that are polls? Yeah. Yeah, even the lying pollsters are not able to hide the red wave anymore. And T minus five weeks and counting Um, it's not going to stop the recession that's coming but uh, flipping at least the house and possibly the house and Senate will stymie stem the bleeding um, and at least let let us probably hit the floor which will be a relief at this stage Um, real clear politics average their total polling average is now showing they're estimating that the how that the Senate will flip fifty-two seats to the Senate to the to the Republicans, so they're not even like it's going to be a bloodbath. And you and I were both talking, and I know Four Star was was has been talking for months about how the fact that they got the that's Chisholm's dad by the way the, right the fuel prices in control, and then there was that market you know in you know that rebound that we had in late July I guess it was like man are they going to stabilize everything and make it appear like all is well and manage to you know flip the script no everything is so bleak now and dire and only getting worse uh if there's a bright spot it's november 2nd or 4th or whatever election day is where they're going to lose i did see and i know
0: you don't put much stock into polls but i saw just in passing a uh, passing headline that
1: Abbott is eight There's- points, like eight and a half. He's stomping Doofus O'Rourke. <laughs> Speaking of Doofuses,
0: Dum uh, Dum Trudeau finally opened the border, man. October, yeah, you can travel to Canada again. I'm gonna go
1: this spring. Yeah the the authoritarian the authoritarians are are losing their grip all across the planet. Oh, there was a big one. A right-wing firebrand um, lady won the Italian prime minister.
0: Oh, I saw that.
1: Yeah, On the way home, uh, driving home, 18 hours,
0: I did a little bit of looking at stuff. And instead name? of celebrating... What, what I gathered from that was instead of celebrating that it was a, the first woman prime minister... Yeah, she's that, a fascist. That, they, right.
1: <laughs> no. There was a great news clip that I think No Agenda played where uh what is her name? <sighs> darn it Maloney so, Wow, are you kidding me? Do tell you're just reading whoa, stuff. I'm sorry, I'm sorry terrible audio, so this is from Yahoo News, oh my goodness, but it's it was published in the National Review, which is a conservative ish sort of staff by about forty percent never trumpers. Uh, you know, news magazine says YouTube removes incoming Italian prime minister Maloney's passionate speech on family, uh, family breakdown it says YouTube appears to have removed a version of a 2019 speech that was delivered by incoming Italian prime minister, Giorgia Maloney. That's her name that focused on the ongoing leftist assaults on the family unit, God and national identity. That's the thing. When this news article that I was, this news clip I was talking about, they basically said, yeah, she's a fascist because she's using this old World War II era um, like catchphrase of God, fatherland, or God, country, family, right? And she's very clearly saying that the left is trying to undermine family, undermine religion, absolutely undermine the idea of a sovereign state, uh, which is all true. And it's what we always talk about. Um, So, yeah, that makes her a fascist, that she's for those things. Um, And I guess the party that she's a part of, maybe Mussolini had actually been a part of a hundred years ago, even though they just kicked out a guy who's like, they kicked the guy out who had some very silly and, yeah, maybe they were racist. I don't know. Had put some stuff on the internet that wasn't good. So they're like, you're gone. But they're still fascist, even though they're culling the most vile among them from their ranks whatever the point is they went on for two minutes about how this is a dramatic shift rightward the most since world war ii uh and that she's a uh, controversial figure et cetera, et cetera. uh and then at the she very end of the like thing they're like but oh human being to me but oh by That's the way lovely. she's the first female elected prime minister in italian history so it's like yeah you know the war on women from the left continues dare, how, how, how dare you disagree with our. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This... So they took down one of her speeches where she calls out the left for attacking the family. Even surprised. Though, they took uh, down totally doing two that.
0: episodes on Instagram or on YouTube, and they took one of them down. Of course they took her speech down. Yeah. Commie bastards. Uh, Another interesting thing is bastards, Instagram. Did you get one of these? Yeah. Uh, Tablesmith Outdoors, are you registered to vote? September 20th is National Voter Registration Day. Register that. or check your voter registration now to prepare for the 2022 U.S. midterm elections. Why is Instagram prompting me to register to vote? What, what, what is going on? Oh, wait. They already told us that they're working with the government to
1: influence elections. Uh, dude, I mean, simply asking somebody to register to vote that doesn't seem like a terrible message like,
0: get your on. head out of your ass why would why say, social say go register media as a have Democrat. anything to do with voting
1: stop yelling they're... at me
0: well don't be a dumbass <laughs> you know which way they lean so don't i know don't, which way they lean act but like i know it's some innocent thing that they're doing
1: okay i'm sorry
0: thank you common sense has prevailed you're right <laughs> commie bastards own those outlets okay that's the bottom line rich commie bastards which is we know it the really confusing part they want to oppress you in perpetuity middle class yeah sorry i had to reprimand you but you were you were just wrong you were being wrong okay all right
1: got it i'm wrong (laughs) moving on incorrected uh, okay. uh, the, I got one,
0: I got one clip and then I want to hear about this triathlon thing that you're doing to your body.
1: Hold okay. On. Hold on. The great Matt Walsh has exposed a, uh, Nashville, I think, well, Vanderbilt, that's in Nashville, right? A Vanderbilt's, uh, Medi- uh v- Vanderbilt's hospital for providing, uh, you know, basically gender reassignment ho- mm-hmm. hormones and even mastectomies and all that for you, for youths, for minor children, um, and they they found a audio clip of a lady explaining in a conference style setting, the new mission of Vanderbilt medicine heading towards offering these uh, basically saying that anybody who objects uh, within the hospital staff, doctors, nurses, etc., on any kind of religious grounds should be shunned and basically driven out of the uh, out of the staff of the hospital because there's to straight up, there's too much money on the table. Look at how much money we can make. And we want to assign a gender understanding buddy or something like that to people who are objecting and to children who they're treating uh, to basically brainwash them. Again, she straight up says it's all about money. Uh, and now that guy that I've talked about, James Lindsay, who he and his crew did the fake uh, academic papers proving mm-hmm. that, woke. Well, and this is uh, a joke. He points out that when these things get exposed, first the left tries to say, and the media, you know, guard dogs try to say, that's not happening. But then very quickly they're saying, well, actually it is happening and this is why it's good. So they deleted all of the online content that they actually had out there, like three or four other hospitals have done in the last month, proving exactly what Matt, Matt Walsh said. Then they started calling him a bigot uh you know in a transphobe and now they're saying new study shows how beneficial it is to transition uh adolescents so that's good with the drugs that they use to castrate i'm the one sex offenders it. in other countries i think i texted you while you were in the mountains that i didn't even want to talk about that sort of stuff but here i go so anyway play your clip all right so this
0: is uh I'm just going to call him what he is. This is our dumbass president. Senile. D- stupid. We can, we can senile, call him senile. Idiot. Moron. All of it. Re- can you say retard in 2022?
1: Uh, I think you can on this show.
0: Well, he's a retard. And here's just another example of President Retard putting his foot in his mouth. Might be a little aggressive. Yeah, well. The things we used to say when we were kids i guess you can't say that anymore can't say british cigarette not that i really like that one but gay when we were kids we said it nobody cared but we didn't have a transgender uh epidemic going on and uh, anyway here we go president dumbass
2: i'm convening this conference again because I believe we can use these advances to do even more to make America stronger and a healthier nation. And so many of you know so much about this as well and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here to help make this a reality.
0: So, Chisholm, hopefully says, you can salvage that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. You know, he says, post, where's but... Jackie? Well, I want to thank all of the, the dead lady. Hardison support. And he lists three people. And the third one is Jackie Walrowski, who died in August right, in a car wreck. Yeah. And he's looking around. Where's Jackie? Jackie is no longer with us. You idiot.
1: What's really bad is he might have been talking about Jacqueline Kennedy. Who knows? <laughs> And then
0: I saw uh I saw this this clip from oh what's her name? One of the one of the one of the hosts of the View came out to defend Biden saying that we're an ageist society and that we should stop giving him such a hard time because he's 79. And of course, she was one of the people that worked on this legislation. So she was top of mind and he just forgot. Yeah, but, and
1: you know, yet. The same lady was probably calling Trump a senile old man uh, just a couple of years ago, but whatever. Yeah, she was.
2: <sighs>
0: so there's your little nugget from our stupid ass president. Yeah, every day he's a gift that keeps on giving. What Can has Kamala sucks? done anything dumb in the last ten days while I've been gone?
1: She certainly hasn't done anything smart. <laughs> i mean you know particularly dumb not that i'm aware of but you know
0: Uh, no she did i saw a headline that she said that uh north korea and the u.s were longtime allies
1: well dude i'm saying like baseline right like what's her baseline her baseline is is like you know on her knees sucking (laughs) her way to the top <laughs> that's her
0: baseline, right?
1: That's true. So as low as you gotta go for that, that's her baseline. Right. Mm. And so, you know, anything she says that's generally on that plane is not particularly stupid. It's just Kamila. Mm. Right? So she, you know, Kamila did Kamila. That's what she does. Okay. She's dumb. Uh, something also about how super secure the border is, I think. Um, we might have talked <laughs> about that one. So
0: so you're doing a triathlon. I don't understand why you would do this to yourself at 42 years old, but I'd love to hear more about it. I did a triathlon last Sunday. Oh, you already
1: did it? It was on
0: Sunday. Why did we not talk about this? We didn't even talk about you training for it. We literally haven't
1: talked about this.
0: At all? I don't think so.
1: Hmm. Is this literally the, like you're just now hearing that I was even doing this? That seems yeah. impossible. I don't know. Huh. Well, that was a missed opportunity. Um, swimming biking and running yeah that's right that's exactly what it is uh-huh. yeah i did the man I, we had to have at least briefly mentioned it, talked I, about it i nope. did the <laughs> that's funny the kerrville it's like i don't even know you the kerrville triathlon <laughs> uh quarter triathlon on sunday um the kerrville tri is a, uh, a two-day event a full a ha- a half and they, I, I, when they say half and quarter I, I guess they're they're comparing that against an ironman but they're not an ironman affiliated event so they're just mm-hmm. calling it a half and a quarter but so quarter half is the long one obviously quarter that's on the sunday and then they do like a uh like a 10k and some other oh i think they have a sprint try shorter distances and stuff on on saturday so anyway yeah i um man i haven't told you about going to canyon lake and swimming at the dam none of this no it's all oh. news to me yeah why didn't we ever talk about that so i don't know back in like may my pastor hit me up he's into endurance uh sports he's run 15 half or full marathons like two or three or four so, fulls all right so 14 too many okay <laughs> and uh so he hit me up in like may and he just sent me the link and he's like are you in And I had this on my bucket list for a couple of years now to do something like this, a shorter distance, maybe even a shorter one than this. And I was like, yep, I guess I am. Mm. So I signed up to do it with him. Another guy from church turned out was already signed up. Um, Actually, the day I got baptized uh, with the girls, another gentleman who was his first day at our church, he and his wife had literally drove by and seen like, Church on Sunday, Easter Sunday stuff. And they had been feeling the need to go back to church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got an incredible story of, you know, having been raised in the church and uh, having been hurt by the church very, very badly. Uh, and then, you know, drifting for 20 years, but, you know, this very strong foundation. And so he saw our Easter Sunday propaganda, came in, probably the wrong word, promotions, <laughs> <laughs> came in. And was so moved by John's sermon uh, and the spirit was, I mean, it was, it was an amazing day, right? I talked about it from our perspective. He got baptized the same day and, or I guess probably re-baptized, I do. Like.
0: I think I remember you mentioning this.
1: Yeah. And so there's been this cool bond. So Emily, our youngest got herself. She wanted to be baptized about six weeks ago uh-huh. uh, at church itself. So then it turns out his wife and Emily ended up getting baptized on the same day too. So, so like our whole family all ended up sort of bound by this, timing of how this stuff played out and now it turns out i really have a lot in common with the dude he's basically like 10 years older than us but he's into all the same things all the same influences all the same people all the same philosophies uh he's into endurance athletes athletics he's done several tries several marathons he does this thing he's part of this group called like i think angie's angels where he pushes uh handicapped people who are wheelchair bound in half marathons and he's done one in a full dude he beat my full marathon time which was a pretty dang good time by 30 minutes pushing a person in a wheelchair this (laughs) guy is a beast dude beast so anyway turns out he was running the try too so we all started you know mostly just texting each other through the summertime um i did a couple swims like one day we went to the blanco river state park and i swam like seven times back and forth across where they've got the blanco river dammed up um maybe got one swim in at the dam and then got covid and at the end of july right Mm -hmm. early august whatever that was and you know you miss like a full i probably didn't swim for two weeks at that point uh Right when I had gotten a couple under my belt, but really hadn't gotten consistent with it. Right, like I, I
0: swam the Brazos one time.
1: Yeah, About Didn't you fetch Two a.m. <laughs> yeah.
0: or I think it was fifty bucks each. I think there were five
1: uh, attorney brothers that each put in ten bucks. I might end up having to swim that thing because there's a Ironman uh, half there that I might. It was a saying. lot longer than I thought it was. There. In well, so. The, uh, yeah, it's a what, nice wide river for sure. And it's moving. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, and then Morgan was like, he was like, he's really going to do it. I'm not paying him 10 bucks. So he jumped in and did it with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. So a quarter is a thousand meter swim, a 30 mile bike ride and a 10 K run, which is 6.4 roughly miles. And I felt pretty good that I was good for 30 miles in a 10 K uh, at any point. So my, the, the swimming was my priority, right. And mm-hmm. boy, I put it off. Um, and then, like I said, I got sick right when I was starting to really get into it and got, after, got over that went back to the dam. So, so I live 12 miles from Canyon Lake and the dam where they dam the Guadalupe to make the lake. It's about 1200 meters long. There's a bridge right almost in the middle of it that goes out to like some kind of like gauge station or, or lift station or something. So there's like a nice midway point. And at the dam is like a 45-degree rock slope on the lake side. So you can swim in three feet of water and just stop, mm-hmm. right? Or you can swim in 20 feet of water or 100 feet of water. But since you're up against that dam, you swim just deep enough where you're not hitting your hands when you kind of paddle, right? And you're pretty much safe from traffic. Nobody's going to be running their wakeboard boat up into three foot of water, right? Uh, So it makes a great spot to swim. Plus it's like protected from the predominant wind. It can get pretty choppy if you go out there in the afternoon, just from boat traffic on that end of the lake, which I did a few times, which is good for practice. But yeah, you know, you get out there when they open the park on the South end of the dam at 7 AM and it's just like glass water. It's 85 degree water. Um, Nobody else is out there. When you look to the East, you're looking out over the lower Guadalupe river Valley towards like green, and the sun is rising over there and then there's this emerald green blue lake to the west it is a rat like i'd swam back in 2018 right before we moved out of the woodlands i got in the pool a few times before we, at that gym we were part of and i remember i was in, you know i was in good enough shape where the first time kicked my butt the second time was a little better and then on the third time i was doing like 30 percent more laps than the first time just from three workouts right just from getting acclimated more than anything not in shape because i was in shape right but acclimated for this particular activity so i was hopeful i'd see the same thing four years later with this right and sure enough like the third time i went out i started actually swimming with josh uh he brought a buddy of his the first time i met him at the dam who's 65 and has done like four or five Ironmans, has a beer like a pot belly on him like you'd expect a 65 year old former army uh, uh he's a airborne I don't I don't know if he was a ranger um, but one of the army like parachute para parajumpers I uh-huh. guess right so he's a badass right he's he put he had a dip in when I met him at 7am and then he swam 2000 2400 meters and I did half of that and he was only like 5 minutes behind me <laughs> And then he still had a dip like as soon as I noticed him again. And I was like, did he have that dip the whole way or did he put a new fresh dip in? And Josh was like, I think he put a fresh dip in. I was like, when? I watched him climb out of the water. And then like I didn't watch him real close, but like a minute later, he's dipping again. I don't understand. So anyway, I got off on a tangent, as I do. But the main point I'm making is that, sure enough, my third day out where I was consistently going after getting over being sick, I saw this big jump. I went from the first time I swam, I did like 600, 500, 600 meters and I needed 15 breaks. And then the third time I got in the water with these guys, I needed like three or four to do twice that far all the way to do 1100 meters. Um, other than like, you know, actual stopping breaks where I stop and stop, stop. Right. I think I did three Mm -hmm. times, but I would like, you know, transition into breaststroke. I might float on my back for, 10 seconds and catch my breath right but as far as like stopping and standing up and taking a break and so at that point i swam twice a week from early august through last week basically um my absolute best swim was last sunday not this sunday of the race but the sunday prior um i was almost kind of worried i maybe overdid it by swimming again that wednesday but i, I was okay for the race where I got to the point where I could swim all the way to the 588 meters to this bridge thing, take like a 45 second minute break and then swim all the way back in a freestyle, the whole way, not switching and floating and doing all that other stuff. So at that point I was like, all right, cool. I won't drown. <laughs> right. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I also had bought this new Garmin training watch and wore it for the first time the Wednesday before the race and found out that I was, too slow so that these triathlons will have cutoffs for each of the discipline intervals. Like you get so many minutes or hours to finish each stage. Right. And like, if you're in a competitive Ironman and you miss that, they'll just pull you off the race course. Right. Like, like you finished your swim, you get to the transition area where you put your biking shoes on and all that. And they're like, Hey, you, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't make the cutoff. And it's like the cut in a golf match. You're out. Right. Yeah. Sorry. You're out. So I found, I realized that I was, a the the, the time limit was 35 minutes for my swim. And I was doing about 36 and a half on that training run. And I was like, oh crap. So I got real nervous for like the next four days that I could actually not even get to finish the race, which all I wanted to do was finish it, you know, first and foremost. And just, you know, wherever I finished didn't really matter that much. So I'm asking Josh and he's like, yeah, sometimes they just pull you. He couldn't really tell me. He's like, I don't know what they'll do. Like. You know but they also had written it where there was wiggle room in the rules where it was like we can change these cutoffs kind of based on how the day plays out right and so there's a there's a rule in the u.s triathlon association which sponsors all these they and backs all these things it's you can't wear a wetsuit and have an official time if the water temperature is above 78 and a wetsuit helps you swim because it's they're thick rubber and they make you float, right? So, yeah. And they basically remove all drag from body hair. and They just make you like a seal in there, right? So that's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, if it's too warm and we can't wear wetsuits, then maybe the cutoff moves back five minutes or, or whatever. As it turns out, I don't think the Kerrville Triathlon gives a crap. They don't <laughs> seem to cut people off from what I can tell. But I was worried about it right up until race day. Um, anyway, and sure enough, it was like 80-degree water. Uh, I never even trained in a wetsuit, so I didn't have a problem with that. I did buy a pair of float shorts. They're basically a neoprene, thick neoprene shorts that just like lift your hips up and help you mm-hmm. be pl- flat on the water, you know, and they make a nice difference. Like when I swim with those, I can feel less resistance, less drag, trying to keep myself afloat, you know, but I, I wasn't getting faster. I was just getting better endurance. Right. And I, these guys that I would train with would just like, without trying, dude, like swimming is such a form thing that people who are good at it, they don't look like they're trying and they right. just leave you in the dust. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's kind of how I feel sure. when I'm swimming. Like when people look at me like, Oh, look at that. That's a Michael Phelps starter kit right there. I bet. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, the truth is like, there are people Nah. well, <laughs> so fast forward to race day. We find out, we get a text on Friday night that our pastor, John, blows his back out moving a refrigerator. And he's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to compete Mm -hmm. on Sunday, but I'm still going to stay. We had gotten a a cool little house on the Guadalupe up in Kerrville. The three of us with our wives were all going to stay together. Now the pastor's like, I'm not going to be able to compete, but I'm still going to come cheer you guys on. Saturday morning comes along. We had a cross-country meet in Comfort before heading to Kerrville. And he's texting me at the cross-country meet saying yeah dude i I don't think i can even get in the car so i'm sorry i'm I'm not coming in on so that sucked um but so we get all our stuff done checking in for a triathlon is kind of a a process they give you a four-hour window but you have to check in at the registrar in this like conference center at this hotel right then you got to take your bike you know you get these three components to the event which which means that there's a tra- two transitions, right? The, the transition they, they they rope off, they fence off an area with a bunch of bike racks, and that's the first transition from the swim to the run. I mean, swim to the bike, right? Mm-hmm. Then you ride your bike, and you stop at the second transition where you transition from the bike to your run. And so the day before the race, you're like so staging do you, do you your think bike.
0: It's better to get the swim, the hardest part, out first.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the way
0: to do it. Yeah. And the bike's probably the easiest.
1: I mean, I, I would say probably for most triathletes that they would probably feel that way, right. except for, I mean, the, the cool thing about a tri is that people come from all different backgrounds and disciplines. Right. So there's people who like swam competitively, like my pastor in high school or maybe even collegiately where that's their absolute strength and it's easy for them. Right and everything else is a learning curve and then there's the vast majority of people maybe are joggers who decide to grab a bike or they're cyclists who decide to do the other two you know what i mean so like mm. everybody has their strength and the cool thing is they're going to record everybody's time on each segment so you can actually kind of see where you shook out against the field in each phase and then as an overall right um you know the people who can really swim yeah they'll they'll jump out to a lead that becomes almost insurmountable, you know, but there are definitely people who maybe they live somewhere where they don't have hills to train on. Right. So they jump on the bike and a little hill kicks their ass. And that's what I found. Uh, well, so anyway, yeah, by and large, I'd say the bike is probably the easiest because most people have ridden a bike. It's the least wear and tear. It's less wear and tear than the run and not as swimming is almost scary. Like there's a mental component to it when you're in the middle of 30 foot of water and people are like swimming up your back, literally. Right. Like you take off the, the start was a staggered start. They had a wave to like, I guess the, like the top competitive class took off all at once, like maybe a hundred people. But then after that, they went by age group and they were letting out two at a time. It's like every five seconds, two people jumped in the water. So that stretched the field out where you weren't in like a melee, like they used to do. Because I've heard stories of people where it's like 500 getting in the water all at one time and it's, people drown. You know, it's it's madness. You turn your head to take a breath and you're just like gulping in water because of splashing and people burying you and stuff. But even with this staggered start, I was so slow that, you know, five, ten times throughout my thousand meters, somebody swam right up my back, like you know, starts hitting me in the feet and then the butt, you know, and then they veer around me. And so if you're not at least comfortable enough that you're not going to drown, it's a mental thing. Like you got to be able to breathe, right? At least on a bike, you just breathe. When you're running, you just breathe. When you're swimming, it's like, you've got to maintain this, you know, this, this cadence, this form, you got to take a breath. You got to be okay that sometimes you're going to get water up your nose. You got to be okay that sometimes you're going to inhale a little bit. And that's not going to kill you, right? Like I inhaled plenty of water over the last two months. So you had to take your floaties off for this thing. <laughs> yeah, floaties would be a detriment for sure. <laughs> so anyway, um, we get to the get to get there, and we we go through the check-in process. And like I said, you got to you got to take your bike and part of your gear to the transition area, the first transition area. Then you got to take some of your running gear and check it in at the second transition area, and this race is kind of unique because normally the way they make the loops, the transition areas are in the same spot, but with this race, the two were two miles apart. Cause like you do the swim, you come start and stop at the same point. Then you jump on the bike. Well, the bike ended two miles away from where it started, which meant we had to have everything staged out the night before the race instead of being able to like, there wasn't really going to be time to go over to, to the run transition the morning of right. Anyway, get there that morning, And have like two hours of just hanging around waiting for the race to start and it finally does josh is 51 i have a question
0: what did you eat the night before or or, or what was your breakfast like what
1: are you putting in your yeah we went to a cool kerrville restaurant uh where i ordered a huge salmon salad and then also an appetizer that was like wilted spinach and uh, Ruffs, dude. mushrooms. It was really good. Really mm, good. Sounds like salt. Dude, it was like sauteed spinach and mushrooms with balsamic vinaigrette. It was fantastic. Mm, really okay. good. Yeah. And it I was the two together. He ate a really bunch good. of pasta.
0: Or is that like not, is that not the thing anymore
1: for these? He areas? did. He did. And I will say I probably should have had some more carbs. I did eat some gluten-free bread that they had, but I didn't want to create a gut issue. You know, I don't, I don't do wheat. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't do well with wheat. So um, I had been eating rice throughout the day and that I and on the Friday before some sweet potatoes. Uh, You know, so I just tried to manage it where I wasn't going to have a stomach problem, you know, Um, but I did feel like I, you know, I say that I felt during the swim, like I probably could have had some more fuel, which would have specifically been carbs. I got up that morning and I ate. Um, part of a, you know what a Bobo bar is? It's like an oatmeal bar They make them in Colorado. Mm. It's a, basically a cookie is what it really is. It's supposed to be a health food thing, but it's got like 30 grams of sugar and a little bitty oatmeal cake. Basically mm. had a part of a Bobo bar, uh, and a banana, banana and a half, I guess. Um,
0: I ate a banana in the mountains. That was probably the first banana I've eaten in over a year. Okay. So I was like, God, my my calves are starting to oh well well, i was in my sleeping bag and in the middle of the night i got five charlie horses in a row in my right calf it would cramp up and Uh, i would straighten it it would just do it again it's horrible god dang that's miserable so when we went into town to take uh david's elk in i saw some bananas at the gas station i was like yep i'm gonna have one of those
1: yeah i I probably should have had like a cup of oatmeal with it and that would have probably been ideal and i'll do that next time there's not Um, a
0: next time this oh, is a dude. one-time thing.
1: Negative. <laughs> Negative. This is just the start. Oh God. This is just the start. We'll get to that. Um so get in the water. Um his group takes off first, the fifty and up class, fifty to sixty, and then my group takes off and kind of interesting like i mentioned this paired launch right so you you walk down this ramp with somebody to the water's edge and you have to walk like if you run you'll they'll deque you or something so you just like casually walk down with the guy give each other fist bump and then you dive on in and so it was like a rectangle right we went across the river and then downstream probably 400 meters back to the side side we started back on and then back upstream and i felt pretty good getting across. And then when I turned around that first buoy, I started to struggle. (laughs) I found I was veering to the right. Like Mm -hmm. if you look at my Garmin tracker, it looks like a saw blade Mm -hmm. as I'm swimming down the length of the the course because it's like just veer right back. So there is some technique going on there. I've got plenty to work on for sure. There is nothing more demoralizing. Up on that. There's nothing more demoralizing than to get into a groove and be, you know, just stroking, 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 and do that for like a minute and then look up and realize that you're basically out of bounds and that you've <laughs> added, well, ultimately I added 120 meters to my over 10% longer than I had to swim. <laughs> like, wow. Just by, when I knew that was likely, like they teach you. So the water is murky, it's deep and proper freestyle swimming form is you stared down. Right. So like in a pool, it's fine because they have that stripe. Right. And that stripe keeps you oriented. But you get into open water and you have to do what's called sighting, which is periodically you have to look up and find a buoy and keep tracking at it. Right. Well, every time you lift your head, your ass sinks and you create more drag. Right. And if I was wearing a big full body wetsuit, maybe I'd have had less of a problem with that. But without wetsuits, it's like you lift your head, you're sinking. Now you're getting back on plane. Lift your head, you're sinking. You're getting back on plane. So that's a whole technique in itself. You have to learn. Long story short, I took three quick breaks. There was kayaker, you know, lifeguards stationed. And so I'd go grab a kayak three times and, you know, catch my breath for 30 seconds and then continue. Got out, took me 36 and a half minutes, but I didn't get DQ'd. My time was official. Then you had to run up a hill to the bike. Did my bike transition. Took like six and a half minutes to do that because I wasn't in a hurry. I could have saved seven minutes on my time just from hustling through those transitions. Mm. Which I was in good, and like I didn't get out of the water feeling like I was dying, you know. I didn't, you know, because I'm in shape. I just, I need to work on technique. It's all for me, it's all technique, you know, it's all just getting better at swimming. But anyway, jumped on my bike, got a few miles under my belt, and it was feeling pretty good. And I was playing hopscotch with some guys, they'd pass me, I'd pass them. And I started to realize, well, oh, these guys, every time we get there, were no hills at this course because it follows the river, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like in the river Canyon compared to my neighborhood, which is like hilly, right? So all of my bike riding and running, I'm on substantial inclines, right? And, you know, the grade, the inclines that there were maybe two or three hills that were half as long as the hills here, but were as steep. The rest of it would be just like a gradual rise and a gradual fall, gradual rise and a gradual fall, like a highway, you know? And I would notice every time I was, pedaling uphill, I was passing these guys. So I realized oh, I'm faster than these guys on the bike. I'm going to get it. So for the next 26 miles, I had a blast. Like I was standing up out of my saddle and like getting it even on slight grades, even on, so, you know, so flat. I have a question. Hmm? So you take off the wetsuit shorts. How
0: I didn't did wear, wear them straight in because
1: they weren't legal, but yeah.
0: To spandex.
1: So you wear a tri-suit.
0: You put on your for the whole spandex. Race. Oh, sure. You so yeah. you're pedaling in a in something that's wet?
1: I mean, yeah, they dry fairly quickly, but yeah, you're a little damp. You need body. They have a product called Body Glide. There's a whole bunch of different ones, sham, shamoy, and all this stuff. Like you put some grease around you the areas. Is there a secret? You get it at the bike shop? <laughs> oh, okay. It's made body to stay, Glide. not to, yeah. Sounds like a bedroom thing. I mean, I don't know. Probably work for that, I guess. <laughs> if you'd want it i think it's for external use only so then so so you're
0: wearing this suit while you're running too this is amazing i don't know jack crap about triathlons yeah there's
1: lots of different ones right there's some that are like two-piece like a short pair of shorts and a top right but they're all gonna have a light butt pad in them for the bike right but you don't want like some cyclists that do like regular 80 mile rides they're gonna have a big thick butt pad you don't want that because that's really gonna be a bitch when you're both swimming and running right Mm -hmm. So it's just a, like, a, I don't even notice it. It's the, the, the one I bought. I bought a singlet, meaning it's like tank top and shorts in one piece. Right. That's <laughs> what you do, man. It's got a <laughs> It's got a very I guess light... I'm too vain. I just
0: don't think I could ever get into one of those things. You can Same. see my abs through it. So I don't feel I... too bad about putting it on. The older I get, uh-huh. the less I care about what I look like. So maybe I would wear one of those actually
1: you just do what you got to do
0: you have to wear something no, i wouldn't say what i look like i want to look i want to stay in shape though i don't care about like the things that used to be important in your teens and
1: 20s yeah. about where Dude. what label was on your
0: clothes like no
1: uh so I, I would target old navy whatever i would do my training swims Fine. with this thing just to get you know because just like when we go elk hunting right train in the gear you're gonna you're gonna do the work in right so the first one, probably the first time I actually wore this thing out in public, I had a little bit of insecurity about it, right? But then what I do it's at a single, the dam... Do
0: nipples show through the tank top part?
1: Tell me yes. Probably when I get... <laughs> so so, I go to the dam and I do my swim. I think you're and I'm picturing Borat right now. I'll, like yeah, you're yeah. Doing the thing in a Borat. Very similar. Run the top of the dam, which has got a cool walking trail on it. And then I'll go down below the dam to the to the outfall into the Guadalupe River that's 55 degrees, and I'll do a cold plunge down there, uh, which has become my favorite. I meant to say, when I finished that third swim, practice swim with those guys, I decided that day I'm doing a full Ironman triathlon before I turn 46. Uh, in part because I just love this spot. Like, it's a cool spot to go work out. Like, it's 12 miles from my house, and I have this beautiful place to start your day or you can kill yourself three different ways, but then jump in this refreshing, amazing cold water. Uh, and it make like, I've gotten into cold plunges, you know, in general with the breathing and all that Wim Hof stuff. It is so awesome to go do all that work and then jump in that cold water. The way you feel the rest of the day, I got my daughter doing it. Riley, we have a thing now it's where like
0: cryotherapy. Yeah. For me. I mean, that's my version.
1: Of Friday evening form. before her car, her cross country races or track meets, we go, together to the guadalupe and we jump in that water for we did it for over 15 minutes the other day that she's tough as nails man
0: yeah
1: uh anyway so you fly through the bike ride you're passing these guys because they don't Yeah, it got to be riding it, over hills when stuff. i realized i could push myself way harder than um maybe i even was prepared to i just started getting it and i made Dude. it a oh there
0: goes borat again
1: yeah, I was like, I'm passing him. And I would pass that guy. And then I'd be like, oh, there's three more guys I'm about to pass their asses. And I just, I just kept, I got into this mantra at one point where I was like, just keep passing people. Just keep passing. Mm-hmm. And then every few minutes. So the full triathlon folk or the half triathlon folks, they did two of the bike loops. So there were people doing a longer race than me or that were doing, had to have all been the people on the, on the full, at that point in the race that were doing the half. The guys who were winning the half that were on like Three, three or $4,000 triathlon built bikes yeah. with like, you know, 400 500 helmets. I was doing 19 to 21 miles an hour the whole way, which is a nice clip. They would blow past me, but anybody that looked like me with like a regular road bike and a regular helmet, I was passing them. Uh-huh. At, there was a point at which only the dudes who were there to win were passing me. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, So, and then the, then then the run I managed in to do my run in under an hour. So, so six and a half miles in under an hour, which was like a nine minute pace, which after that much work was pretty good. My final time was three hours and 24 minutes, uh, and like 32 seconds or something, 23 Mm -hmm. seconds, uh, which finished. So, so I went to the leaderboard that evening and I discovered that out of 469 participants in the quarter triathlon men women of all ages i finished my swim 456 out of 469 so 13th 13th from dead last um so i'll be honest i was a little humbled yeah i didn't expect it to be that low like i knew i was slow but i was like damn (laughs) like Wow. wow um but then i finished the whole race 275th uh so I jumped from 13th from last to a little past the middle of the pack. Um finished around there on the bike. I actually thought I did the bike faster compared to the field. Then you know, I was a little surprised that I, I wasn't higher on the bike. Mm-hmm. But then on my run, I finished 129th out of 469. So I stomped the run. Um when it was all said and done, I only finished like 14 minutes behind my buddy who has done multiple tries kicked my ass in the water. But I basically, I was like three minutes behind him on the bike and I, I beat him pretty good on the run. Uh, but he, but he beat me by seven total minutes on the tra- transition. So like just the transitions, if I had hustled through those, I probably would have cracked the top half of the race overall. Yeah. And then if I can shave half a minute per hundred meters off my swim time, now I'm you know going to be starting to get into like maybe the top third of at least my age class, you know? Um, so it's cool because so, so ambitious. Why 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 do this to yourself?
0: It's just because,
1: as men made in God's masculine image, cable we need uh, a challenge. We need a mission, and uh, that was elk hunting in my 30s. Uh, it's triathlons in my 40s. Hmm. That's the answer. Well, David and I will send you a postcard
0: from wherever. It doesn't mean next. I'm
1: not going elk hunting. <laughs> you have to understand. Elk hunting had become an obsession that was so singular. I didn't think about anything else. And that's why I worked out. I'm going to keep going elk hunting, but I'm going to focus on getting this Ironman triathlon done. Well, I'm going to root you on from a distance, like from another city,
0: six hours away. And you just keep telling me how it's going. Cause I am very proud of you, but it's also something that I don't want any part of. Like I just, um, those, those days mm -mm, not happening. Body's just too fragile. Not, 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 not going to do it. You you laugh, but like, no. Have I ever told you how I've had two back surgeries? My knees are not, I'm not, I'm not doing the seven, uh, eight, 10 mile runs anymore.
1: i Have ever mentioned I've had two back surgeries? You have mentioned that. There are shorter distances. You can do a sprint try. It's like a couple hundred meters, uh, like a 10-mile bike ride and, you know, like a one-mile run, you could do that kind of thing. I think I might have even convinced my wife to sign up for one of those. That's not that bad. It's cool because I can tell you, having run a full marathon and a half marathon, this felt easier on my body. And I pushed myself. I mean, you know, I, I really did. Because you're mixing it up. You're not doing one thing for three and a half hours. You're doing three different things for three and a half hours, right? And the swim is largely upper body, right? And then the bike is lower body, but it's a different lower body use, I guess, than run, right? Mm. And then the run is, yeah, all that said, like, I think about an Ironman, which the last thing you do is a full marathon. And you think, how? How? (laughs) so i have to figure that out i have to figure out how um but i didn't like you know i was whipped we had a church charity event sunday night when it was all said and done and i was not interested in being there for that i was just fried uh but i woke up monday and i was like man i feel i mean i was sore but i wasn't like crippled limping around like an 80 year old sore like i i could have done a light you know light workout of some type and then by Tuesday I felt pretty close to normal and Wednesday I actually was basically over it and it does sound easier on the body than running 27 miles yeah or for sure it is yeah what is by the time is 27 I, miles 26.2 yeah oh. marathon yeah by the time I got to 25 miles on the bike I was actually thinking I'm I can't wait to get off this bike and go for that run now because like you get to the point where this motion is starting to Be tiresome, right? Both, like, just mentally to mix it up, but also, you know, just the repetitive, just the endurance of doing the same thing. Like, there was a point where it was like, cool, I'll get to get off this here shortly and do something different. I had the mindset. I'm going to stick to lifting weights and playing sports. There were two things that I know helped me excel on the bike and the run and then finish really strong. Um, But the thing I was the proudest about was to go from 13th from dead last to 129th out of 469 on the last part, right? Like I was getting stronger while the, while the field was falling out and that I was very pleased with that. And part of the reason was it got hot. Like, you know, the water was over 78 degrees by 11 AM while I was doing my run, Ashley said she heard that the, that the, uh, heat index was like one Oh five. So it was hot, like hot enough. There were people saying, I can't believe they didn't call off the race because it was like dangerously hot. There was, there oh, were, come on. This I would have been race. so pissed because I train in the heat, dude. I go out right. at one o'clock in the afternoon on a June or July day when it's a hundred literally a, actually. That's a hundred, the best not,
0: time to run because you're going to get the most out of it.
1: That's the way I see it, man. I mean, I, you're going to you, push yourself the hardest, it's going to be the
0: most uncomfortable. It when I, I mean, I haven't run because of shin splints like religiously since the beginning of COVID. Right. And, but before that, I mean, you're, I would run in the hottest part of the day on purpose.
1: Yeah. I mean, you need to do it regularly. You don't want to be somebody who's used to 72 degree temperatures all the time and then go out and run when it's one Oh five. If you're overweight and stuff, cause you could definitely kill yourself. But if you're acclimated to it, the same as when we go elk hunting and we sleep in 30 degree weather every night for a week, the winter doesn't bother me. The Texas winter is a joke because it's right. like your, your blood does thicken. Well, the same is true. If you work out in the heat. You're adapted to it. So one move I made that was so clutch, dude. So I had uh, a... Uh, I, had, I, I usually... Lord, please
0: re- forgive Chisholm. We know the Bible says to
1: be very humble, but continue. This is like just not... It was just a good thought that helped okay. me tremendously. All right. I- <laughs> Normally, I, I do my exercise with like a bandana on or one of these really light wool beanies that I wear. Yeah. Um, like on my bike, it you know keeps this hair off my forehead and sweat out of my face, right? But and then on my runs, it keeps my hair from flopping around. And so I had thrown a bandana in my run bag, but then at the check in, they gave me one of those cool little like running hats. You ever seen those little hats that you know they're endurance guys? They've got like a short brim, they don't have like a big typical baseball brim, uh, yeah, it's a baseball style hat, but they're made out of like ultra the quick dry type material, right? They're really, really light. You know, they're kind of I guess a little goofy looking, but they're made for... The whole thing looks goofy, all of it. The butt pad, the nipples hanging out. I knew it was going to be hot and sunny. Shut up. I knew it was going to be hot and sunny, so (laughs) I had the cap ready for my run, but I also had the bandana and so as I was getting ready to take off, like, I'm standing in the transition area changing from the bike to the run and the sun is just beating me because it's in the wide open and I was like damn it's hot like on the bike you don't notice how hot it is because you got the wind in your face 20 mile an hour wind right as soon as you stop you're like oh wow it got real real hot and I've run where the heat slows you down because you just can't do it right so I took that bandana and I just opened it up and I wore it like a like a I looked like a Middle Easterner like I had a turban that came down over my shoulders you know and I threw that cap over the top of it That made such a huge difference. Like as I continued to sweat and that thing got wet, then it was like cool. It was like having a cool towel around my neck the whole time. Right. And it kept the sun off of my ears, off of my neck, off of my shoulders, off the back of my neck. I, I know, I bet that saved me five plus minutes just having that little bit of shade. Most of the course, the run course was shady because it was along the river's edge, like in a park. So, like at least half of it was in the shade, but then there were stretches where you'd get out in the sun and be jogging in the sun. So, anyway, that was huge. Um, Yeah, now I'm on a mission to uh, get a full one done uh, in the next three years and change. So, I will support you.
0: Stay tuned for that from a distance. And I will only offer encouraging thoughts as you embark on this insane
1: quest to other than to mock kill yourself my, in your midpoint. My outfits.
0: But, uh, I will not support the outfits. No. If I actually, I would love to see a picture. I just put one on our, uh, let's put a picture of you with
1: your nipple tassels on our Justified Pursuit Instagram page. <laughs> I want to send you this video. Uh, there was a company doing photography for it, right? And so they sent you sent me a link of me at the finish line. And it was hilarious. Ashley almost missed taking pictures of me because the lady that finished right before me picked up her child. So they had like a you turned off of the running path into a barricaded like lane, like a hard 90 degree turn. And then and then you ran through like a lane to the finish. Right. And uh, then they had people strip stretching a banner, you know, a, a, a tape across for you to break the tape. Right. So this lady right at the turn in picks up her child and she's just walking walking it on in, right? Well, I had enough left that I I sprinted the last 150 probably. Mm-hmm. So I make the turn and I'm trucking. And <laughs> like she's two-thirds of the way to the tape before I make the turn, and I still ended up almost catching her. So Ashley's taking pictures of this sweet lady who picked her child up and then notices that I'm like blazing in from behind. But um I guess you can get a look at how silly I looked coming in. The funny thing, though, was so they stretched the tape for this lady and she breaks it walking and I'm two steps behind her running my ass off <laughs> and the tape's already <laughs> falling down. Anyway, I didn't need that. But yeah, send me the
0: picture. We'll post it after we uh, drop this episode. So, well, I'm proud of you and I still don't understand how we didn't have any idea that you were doing this. But
1: here it is. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm really shocked that I never mentioned it, but um, uh, I guess that's like progress that I don't feel like I need to talk or brag about what I'm up to. I don't know, yeah, sure,
0: I agree. Great job! I just saw you,
1: you are humble after all. Let's uh, let's leave it on a high note. Gavin Newsom signs law making California a sanctuary for child transgender surgery. So, see ya. Gloves are off. Here we go. Bye bye. Go away. We're God not going to pretend like we're not doing this to kids anymore. We're going to make safe spaces for it. Perfect. Mm.
0: And yet, the guy who's running for governor in Texas wears shirts that say, don't mess with trans kids. I'm going to stick by this comment on the way out the door today. Trans kids don't exist. They're a product of society and the media. That's all I got.
1: I Four- think
0: most of them certainly are. Yeah. yeah. Four. We've always said, you want to transgender when you're an adult? Do it. You've got one life to live.
1: Be, do it. Be happy. You know what, man? I'll even Let's moderate that a little kids, bit. Though. If you meet the former technical psychological definition that since the age of 4 to 14, you've been consistently, adamantly convinced the whole time, maybe we consider that. But that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. Adolescent girls are waking up one day saying, I'm transgender. And they're like, Cool. Here's some testosterone and puberty blockers. Right? Right. Right. So, anyway.
0: Well, for Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith, and uh, we'll, go, we'll get back to the regular format next week. We won't be yep. about elk hunting and triathlons, but uh, hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in to episode 96 of Justified Pursuit. And we will see you guys next time. I got nothing. Till Mama couldn't
1: hold me anymore. I turned 21 in prison, doing life without parole. No one could steer me
2: right, but Mama tried.